And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Hello, hope everybody's having a good week. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. Yes, I'm your host, Cam Edwards. Uh, Haven't been around the 40 Acres much this week, however. I uh, was at the NRA annual meetings in Nashville, Tennessee, and if you can't be at home, I gotta say, the uh, NRA annual meetings are where you want to be. It was an absolutely incredible time, and we're going to be talking about it uh, a little bit uh, later on in the program. We'll also uh, talk about uh, the reading material that I did actually, you know, because you're flying, so you have time to read. I didn't have any time to read on the ground in Nashville, Tennessee, I'll tell you that. But uh, we will talk a little reading material, and we'll get to some of your thoughts as well as some of the uh, big uh, small farm stories going on around the uh, country, uh, more words of warning. But it is springtime on the 40 acres. I can tell you that there's this just incredible technicolor shade of green that erupts this time of year. And I, I, I'll i be honest with you, I never saw it in the suburbs. I didn't notice it. Like I said, when we, uh, and I think I've told this story before, when we found our house, it was um, uh, in the fall. Uh, late October, when we moved in, it was the uh, start of winter. It was December, uh, late December. And so we didn't experience uh, springtime on the farm. In fact, when we started looking for farms, it was uh, uh, in the middle of summer. So we had never seen a springtime on the farm before, the uh, spring of 2013. So this is our third spring now. And I'm still, it, it takes your breath away the brilliance of this green. I, I don't know how it compares to the uh, green fields of Ireland, but the green fields of Virginia in mid-April, when the grass is just starting to come up and in the uh, pasture that uh, our, our, we let our neighbor use, the uh, the spring oats are just coming out of the ground and where there's been just this, you know, clods of dirt for, for acres and acres, now there's just this beautiful emerald green rolling hills uh the uh, the flowers are in bloom you've got uh, splashes of purple and pinks and whites dotting the woods and uh, on the top of the trees you can start to see just this green haze uh standing above the farm every year i always worry uh when we found the place <laughs> uh it, it's the front yard is full of these massive locust trees uh, locust trees are, are pests, really. You 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 want to cut them down. Um, you can let them grow. They they tend to grow pretty straight. They're very very hard, uh, but they tend to get cut down for if they're used for anything. They're used for fence posts, and they don't get to be too big. Well, these are huge and ancient. Um, we had a tree guy actually come out and, and uh, cut down one that that was I think it was rotting and it was in danger of falling on the house. He said he thought they may have been contemporaneous uh with the the building of the house, which would have been somewhere around seventeen seventy six to seventeen eighty. That's a long time. Now I don't know if they're that old. Um this has been a, a farm since the uh you know late seventeen hundreds, so it, it's it's entirely possible that at some point and clearly they were put there uh, to use as a sort of paddock. Uh, you can still see actually embedded in the trunks of these trees uh, some old uh, wire 
barbed wire that's actually the trees now grown around and every now and then you'll see a little poke of barbed wire sticking out every year i i think this is the year that they don't come back because they've they're they're broken they're not pretty trees particularly um they look kind of like a, a haunted wood uh in the winter uh and they're so they're not really pretty but they're enormous uh, it would be a lot of money to take them out and so there they stay uh and and every spring I think, okay, this is the year that they're just dead and we're going to have to do something with them. But I noticed, uh, actually, when I uh, got home on uh, Wednesday evening, there was still enough daylight out. And I looked up at the top and I could I can, I can see just now these trees. They're always the last to start uh, blooming. But these trees have their little green buds on them, too. So... The uh, the ancient locust trees survived another winter, which makes me feel uh, pretty good, even as, as as ugly as those trees are. Uh, and now that the green is here, the green has exploded. It's uh, it's so. In addition to, and I have to I have to give all credit to Miss E. While I was in Nashville, gallivanting away and just having a, a wonderful time. I mean, I was working too, but uh, uh, Miss E. was getting it done on the forty acres. So. Uh, about half of the greenhouse panels are up now. It actually is starting to look like a greenhouse, which is amazing. And uh, we do still have a lot of work to do in the garden, but uh, everything's coming up, which is great. We're we're seeing some uh, beets come up. We're seeing our carrots come up. And a quick note, by the way, on the carrots, because we messed up the uh, first year that we planted carrots. When you know carrots have these sort of fronds, right? And so you think of you think that's what you're going to see when a, a carrot first starts to grow. You you won't. You won't see those little fronds. The first thing that comes up, it really just looks like shoots of grass. Uh, and then you will start to see what looks like little bits of parsley pop up out of those uh, little bits of grass. The first year we messed up, we pulled out all <laughs> most of the little tiny carrots because we thought, oh, darn it, we got grass in our uh, in our garden beds. And no, we didn't. We had we had carrots. So, uh, so there's your uh, first helpful tip from the uh, the fool and his forty acres. Don't don't mess with the carrots too much. But everything's coming up. The onions are looking good. Garlic shoots are, uh, are coming up. Starting to not shoots, but the uh, the the greens, the tops of the uh, garlic are starting to uh, show through. As I said, the beets, the carrots. But we have a lot of work to get done uh, this coming weekend, the weekend of the eighteenth. Uh, for those of you who uh, just can't wait. And subscribe and uh, get 40 Acres in a Fool each and every Thursday, thanks to the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, and you can find it as well on SoundCloud. But, of course, you already know that. Uh, anyway, this coming weekend, for me, the weekend of the 18th, uh, we really need to get all of the uh, tomatoes and peppers out of the house, into the ground, which means uh, a little more work in the garden beds. And then we really have to just clear out uh, a lot of garden beds. We're not we're not planting everything right now in the spring. We have some beds that we're uh, going to be using in the fall for uh, more root vegetables, Brussels sprouts, things like that. So we have a little bit of time. We don't have to get all 70-some-odd beds cleared right away, but it would be good to get another 20 or 30 done. And it's about a 45-minute process to get a garden bed weeded, uh, composted, uh, mixed all together, and, and, and ready to go. And with uh, two people, you know, that's that's still more than one weekend. So my plan, we'll see how well this goes next week. My plan uh, is to have a weeding 
be for uh, for the kids uh, and have my uh, 14-year-old invite some of his uh, friends over to see if they want to earn a little bit of money clearing out garden beds because, you know, the extra manpower would certainly be helpful. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with a little hard work. 14-year-olds are the perfect age to uh, turn some pocket money through manual labor. So that's my plan for this weekend. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, clear out the garden beds. Uh, while I was gone as well, Miss E., I was able to uh, 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 adopt some of the two of the uh, adorable baby goats to a family from the uh, Virginia Beach area. So there are two very happy little girls and two uh, adorable little kids that have started life in their new family. Uh, meanwhile, the five remaining kids are off of uh, they're, they're they're weaned from their mom. They're now using. Uh, what's called a lamb bar or a milk bar, and it's basically just a big pail. I think we talked about it last week. I've now seen it in action, it's, and it's great. And they all just line up, and they all start sucking the milk down, and everybody's happy and healthy, and, and the uh, the moms are being milked. We're getting now uh, almost a gallon a day of goat's milk. And you might wonder, what do you do with a gallon a day of uh, raw goat's milk? You drink it, first of all. Because uh, it's delicious, you can uh, do all kinds of cheese. Um, the simplest and easiest is a uh, chevre. You know, it's a real soft cheese, a real spreadable cheese. It's almost like it's almost like butter, but uh, or, or cream cheese. Uh, mozzarella is uh, really simple to make. Um, the the aged cheese. We don't have a cheese cave. Miss E has been lobbying and agitating for a cheese cave, and it's not that I wouldn't like to have one. Because that'd be awesome. We could we could age our cheese. I I just don't know where we have room for a cheese cave. We you know we have a rambly old farmhouse. Uh, we have a lot of kids and we have you know, a lot of books and the rooms are not huge. Uh, and we don't have any sort of utility room or anything like that. I mean our our laundry room uh, is a stackable washer dryer that's in a closet that is literally in our dining room. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a rambly old farmhouse. It is what it is. And I just don't see where we have room for a cheese cave, but, uh, um, apparently somewhere in our house, uh, exists that, that, that corner that uh, would be good to age cheese. We just don't have it yet. So, uh, it's a lot of mozzarella. It's a lot of chevre, uh, yogurt, uh, goat's milk yogurt is, is fantastic, particularly later on in the summer when you uh, put some of your own blueberries uh, in it and then drizzle a little local honey on top. It's just that's I'm not a big, you know, farm to table guy. I think that's just sort of a pretentious phrase, but it is kind of cool to have a meal where either everything you everything that's on your plate, you're either responsible for or you know where it came from. It's a uh it's a neat dining experience, and we're now getting to the time of year where it's a heck of a lot easier as long as you're willing and able to put in the work. So uh, I would love to, again, know how your spring garden experience is going. I know that uh, for a lot of you, if you're listening to the north of Virginia, uh, you may just be getting started. You may still, unfortunately, be waiting for that moment where you can uh, get out there. But the email address, and I love to hear from you every week, it is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Cam Edwards. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, at Cam Edwards. And on Facebook, it is Cam Edwards 
2A. All right, when we come back after a uh, quick timeout, I do want to talk about the NRA annual meetings in Nashville, Tennessee, because it was such an amazing time, and I know that I had the opportunity to meet at least a few of the uh, folks who are listening this week. So we'll talk about the 144th annual meeting of members for the National Rifle Association right after this here on 40 Acres and a Fool. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Hillary used to infuriate me. Now, she's like a mascot of the Democrat Party. She's going around meeting smaller venues. Okay. So she could kind of soften Uh her image and be more personable. Okay, but she's not doing that. No? Her campaign is somewhere between confusing, sad, and kind of funny. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So Nashville was incredible. And a uh, big thank you to the city of Nashville, to uh, all of the restaurant owners and honky-tonk owners and um, everybody who just made NRA members feel so welcome. It was, it, I, I've been going to NRA annual meetings since 2004. And I got to tell you, I've never had a bad time. But the last few years, the experience just keeps getting better and better. Uh, after Indianapolis, I think every NRA member, and that was, that was 2014. I think every NRA member that was there in Indianapolis, uh, walked away just, wowed by the city, wowed by the uh, convention center, how much there was to see and do in uh, just a few blocks. Uh, and, and, and everybody was really excited though about Nashville. I mean, as, as fantastic as Indy was, I think, uh, we're, we're looking forward to going back in just a few years. The thought of the National Rifle Association, uh, in the music city and the, those two experiences combining, I think, I think a, Everybody thought, man, this this could be something special. Uh, and as it turns out, we were right. <laughs> it really was. The Music City Center is right there in the heart of downtown Nashville, and it's uh, right next to the Country Music Hall of Fame. There's, uh, you know, the Ryman Auditorium is just a block or two away. You're just off of Broadway, which I had no idea even existed. That's like the uh, it's like the Bourbon Street of Nashville. And so, again, you're right there in the heart of downtown. The Music City Center is uh, a brand new, not a brand new, but it's a, a really new convention center. And this was apparently the uh, the convention center's first big test because we, uh, the, the National Rifle Association, uh, all of the, the members who were there, almost 79,000 people. I mean, that is a massive uh, convention. And Nashville handled it. Very, very well. The Music City Center, I think, passed with flying colors. There was this uh, great street scene. Almost it was it was, it was a street festival uh, out there uh, outside of the Music City Center that was still a part of the NRA annual meetings. And so you had the NRA country stage, and there was live music all weekend long. And uh, it was a beautiful, just a great weekend. There were all kinds of vendors there on the street, and the weather was perfect. And so 
it was this really unique experience that I hadn't had at an NRA annual meeting before where you walk outside of the exhibit hall where there are, again, you know, thousands of, of NRA members, and you walk through the atrium of the convention center and you walk out onto the street and you walk into thousands of NRA members and more stuff to see and more stuff to do. It was like the National Rifle Association took over uh, downtown Nashville and there were, you know, concerts. There was a free concert on uh, uh, Friday night with uh, Colt Ford and Hank Williams Jr. And there were thousands. I mean, the streets were closed. And as I, I got out of the Music City Center on Friday evening after the uh, NRA ILA Leadership Forum and we had concluded our live coverage, I, I packed up my uh, computer and uh, walked out and the uh, sun was setting and it was just this beautiful, cool, uh, actually not even cool. It was a warm April evening, shirt sleeve weather. And the sun was going down and the uh, the neon lights were coming on and the uh, lights of the stage had, had uh, you know, were just flashing so bright and there were thousands of people there. And it was just this, I got goosebumps seeing this and taking this all in. Uh, and being a part of this incredible experience. And that was that was sort of my kickoff to the uh, NRA annual meeting. And it really was just a fantastic weekend. If, if you took time out of uh, your schedule and everything that you wanted to see and do uh, to come over and say hi and say that you uh, watch the NRA News Cam and Company, uh, whether it's on Sportsman Channel or uh, podcasts, or uh, you're, you're watching live uh, every afternoon on nranews.com, however you get the show. And I was amazed at how many different – I know we offer a lot of different ways to get the show, but I'm really pleased that, that, that people are taking advantage of each and every way. I mean, I heard from truck drivers who say, you know, we're with you every night on Sirius XM, and uh, we're taking you down the road with us, to people who say, you know, listen, you're part of our, 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 our dinner uh, every night on Sportsman Channel, or you're my ride into work in the morning uh, because I download the podcast and I take it with you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time out of out of your day to come over and share that because um, it's it's great, first of all, to uh, to hear the stories of my fellow NRA members and to know, uh, you know, who's passionate about the same stuff that uh, that I'm passionate about, who's, who's curious about, uh, generally speaking, the same stuff that I'm curious about. And it's a um it's just for me the NRA annual meeting is always the the world's biggest family reunion you know i don't i'm working so i don't get to see it from the perspective of somebody who uh is taking vacation time from work and maybe this is their one family vacation every year you know they're having a great time too but but we're having very different great times so i don't get a lot of time to wander around the exhibit floor and see a lot of the stuff in fact i think i got to three booths this year uh, the first booth, by the way, was uh, the uh, the Nosler booth, and uh, great folks. They're our sponsor of NRA News, and they. I wanted to make sure that uh, I went over there, and um, and they actually said that they had had a lot of folks coming over and thanking them for sponsoring the show. So thank you for doing that too. Um, but my experience is is sort of tied to you know NRA News Cam and Company, and we have a set there, and I try to stay on set as much as I can. Uh, we're broadcasting and folks, I want, you know, if folks want to come over, I want to be there. And so my experience each and every year is always much more about the people 
and not the the products that are on display. And so when I say, you know, thank you for taking a couple of minutes out of your day, I really do mean it because that is what makes my NRA annual meeting experience so great every year. And I could talk literally for three hours about the um, the people that I had a chance to meet for the first time there in Nashville and folks who introduced themselves in uh, Indianapolis or maybe it was St. Louis or maybe it was back in Louisville in 2008, uh, old friends you get a chance to catch up with. It was just, it was great. And I, I, I had, I had a great couple from uh, Missouri who came by with uh, a homemade venison sausage for me. Um, folks dropping off ball caps left and right for me. Uh, I think I walked away with eight more t-shirts than I came to Nashville with. So uh, people, thank you. Uh, really, if, again, if, if I saw you there in Nashville, I really appreciate you uh, coming over and uh, and saying hi. We took a lot of pictures, and uh, and that was a lot of fun. I got to see uh, my my favorite uh, child, who's not related to me, Frassy, who is uh, the daughter of my friend Dave, who works for Cabela's. And Frassy, I've seen at interannual meetings since she was probably two, maybe three. Uh, Frassy is, uh, I think, nine now, and every year. It's Uncle Cam, and she runs over, and I get a hug, and we get a picture, and she talks about all the stuff that she's seen and done with her dad, and it's just, uh, she's a great little girl, and she's so sweet, and it's always one of the highlights of the NRA NRA annual meeting. It would not be an NRA annual meeting uh, without seeing Dave and his daughter, Frassie, and Lupe and her husband, and Bob, and... uh, candy and i just I, again the list goes on and on um so thank you i get a little uh tongue-tied here thinking about all of the uh the incredible people i had a chance to meet and then there were the 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 folks within the industry uh who i got a chance to spend some time with uh my friend uh, ron bellen from reaper outdoors this man is incredible he's going to be joining us on a uh, podcast here before long he's out on the road right now but uh, he's going to be coming through farmville on his way home and he's already pledged to uh, stop by and spend an evening with us so i'm going to pull out the microphone and invite ron on the podcast a uh, navy seal for more than 25 years Uh, ron has so many incredible stories and his courage and his dedication to this nation uh, really are just an, an absolute inspiration. And through Ron, I had the opportunity to meet Jeff Axelson, whose brother Matt Axelson was part of Operation Red Wing. And uh, they did the Axelson uh, tribute rifle. He uh, Jeff Axelson has uh, Axelson Tactical. And again, just a, another great guy, uh, much like me, never served in the military, but uh, but but so appreciates. And for him, it's very, very personal. Uh, so appreciates the sacrifice that the men and women of our military make and their families make. And it was really an honor to get a chance to meet Jeff. It was an honor to get a chance to see Arlie Ermey, the uh, the gunny, get a chance to sit down with Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North uh, for uh, about 20 minutes or so. And then there were the uh, the the other the other side of this uh, three sided NRA annual meeting for me, I guess, is the is the political side because we talk a lot of politics on NRA News, Cam and Company. And the NRA annual meeting is like the one time of the year where the political side of my show gets together with the 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 actual physical gun side of NRA news 
and it's one big party. So this year, uh, Jim Garrity from National Review uh, came down, and he was there covering the uh, the NRA meeting for National Review. Charles Cook, uh, Charles C.W. Cook, uh, came down, Cookie, as uh, as I like to call him, came down and was covering for uh, National Review as well. The uh, Ace of Spades bloggers were there, uh, Carrie Pickett. From Daily Caller was there, uh, Liz Sheldon. There were over 600, Liz Sheldon of, of PJ Media. These are the, the, the folks that I, I, I got a chance to hang around with a little bit. There were something like 600, uh, credentialed media, uh, who were there for the NRA annual meeting. Glenn Reynolds, the Insta pundit, was, uh, the speaker at the uh, law seminar, and I had a chance to actually meet Glenn for the very first time, uh, and, uh, have a drink with Glenn on Friday night. That was fantastic. Uh, Galt's girl, Michelle Ray, on uh, Twitter was there with her mom, and I got to uh, meet Michelle's mom for the first time. Sebastian and uh, Bitter from PA Gunblog shall not be questioned. Uh, I've known I've known Sebastian and Bitter for years, and again, like the NRA annual meeting is it's part of that family reunion. You get a chance to uh, to meet up once a year, and this time I actually got to meet their family, uh, and I got to uh, see Bitter's mom again. She's just a lovely person. Like, again, I could I could. Really, I could just go for three hours just talking about just rattling off names that, that you know you may or may not know, and this is probably very boring for you, but I'm trying to give you just some impression of of how unique an experience attending an NRA annual meeting really is. Because we have one coming up next year too. We we do this once a year. And next year it's gonna be in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, another great place. It's going to be a, a different feel, I think, from the uh, interannual meeting in Nashville this year. Uh, the convention center is not right there in the heart of downtown, but it's a. We was we were there in two thousand and eight, uh, and I got to tell you, it's a it's a great city, uh, and it's a great convention center as well. And the same folks are going to be there. In fact, it's going to be a, a, a presidential election year. They're going to be, I think, uh, more folks. Uh, there at the uh, NRA ILA Leadership Forum, I think they're going to be uh, more activists, uh, more uh, you know energized uh, attendees. And I would strongly encourage you, if you didn't make it to Nashville this year, because if it, see if you made it to Nashville, I know I don't really have to strongly encourage you because I know that you're already making plans for Louisville. I, I know this because you told me. But if you couldn't get to Louisville. And the 144th annual meeting of members of the National Rifle Association, excuse me, couldn't get to Nashville. NRAAM.org. That's the website for the NRA annual meetings. And uh, very soon they will have uh, all kinds of information uh, about the uh, 2016 meetings in Louisville, Kentucky, including uh, help with travel, hotels, book your hotel early. That's another handy tip. Uh, I talked with folks who were staying 50 miles away from Nashville because they had waited until the uh, last weekend or so before the annual meeting t- uh, b- to decide, okay, yeah, yeah, we're going to go. If you wait that long, you're not going to be able to stay that close because it is a big deal when the uh, National Rifle Association comes to town. And, uh, again, we had a great time in Nashville. I think I, I know I speak for myself. I think I speak for the uh, other NRA members who I met in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and I hope we get to uh, just me personally speaking. I have no sway, no pull. I'm not part of the decision making process, but I hope we go back to Nashville at some point. And, and Nashville actually is one of those cities now that I want to go back and really just get a chance to explore. 
Uh, I got a chance to explore a very small part of the downtown area, but I missed the Johnny Cash Museum. Didn't really get to go to the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame, although I did duck into the uh, gift store for a moment or two. Took about 15 minutes to uh, walk through the Hatch Print Shop, which is a uh, old handbill uh, 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 poster company, and and that was really interesting. That's just the type of dorky stuff that uh, that interests me. But I didn't get to go see the Capitol. Didn't get to go see the uh, the Parthenon. Didn't get to go see the new minor league ballpark because the uh, the sounds uh, were on the road while we were in town. So I, I'd like to go back to Nashville uh, just for a few days and and see the sights. But next year, next year it's Louisville. All right, we're going to step away for just a moment here. When we return, um, there's some interesting stories about uh, women out west that I've been reading this week. We'll have more 40 Acres and a Fool right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. With Mike Opelka. The United States government will take in $3.3 trillion in taxes this year. And if you combine that with the $1.5 trillion that the states will collect in various taxes, there is more money spent by Americans on taxes than we spend on food, clothes, and housing combined. Pure Opelka. Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So as I mentioned, I didn't get a uh, lot of reading done this uh, past week, but I did get some time on an airplane. And uh, I I picked up a couple of books. Uh, You know, I really prefer book books, but uh, when I'm traveling, I'll go and I'll download a book, you know, try to find something that's that's just some bit of history that I haven't read much about that's uh, a buck or two. And uh, on the iBooks store, I found D. Brown's The Gentle Tamers, Women of the Old Wild West. So I thought, well, that sounds kind of interesting. Uh, she's the author of uh, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. So it, it, it's a it's a very breezy book. Um, there's a chapter, though, that I, I, I really thought was interesting. I didn't know much about how – I knew that Wyoming was the first uh, a, a state to elect a woman to Congress. But I didn't know the story of women's suffrage – in Wyoming, and I thought it was just a really interesting story. Uh, basically, a, a, it, it all came about, uh, or, or, or a, a driving force, I should say, uh, behind women's suffrage in Wyoming was this woman, Esther McQuig Morris. You know, there's this big push uh, right now to to put a woman on the twenty dollar bill, right? And it's like it's Margaret Sanger is on. Yeah, I'm if, if we're if we're gonna if we're gonna put a, a woman on the twenty dollar bill. Uh, my vote would be Esther McQuig Morris. She was the she was elected justice of the peace in uh, South Pass City, Wyoming, which at the time was the largest city in the state. It was basically it was a, it was a mining town, uh, about three thousand people, and she was elected justice of the peace. She was, uh, according to D. Brown, the first woman to hold that office anywhere in the world which is pretty amazing. Uh, and she was elected uh, basically because she uh, was respected in that city. So, you know, she became a fairly uh, a powerful person. A justice of the peace uh, is a, you know, it's a 
decently uh, large position. And as Wyoming uh, gained territorial status and there was uh, there was going to be a state legislature formed, she brought in to her house the Democratic candidate for the legislature and the Republican candidate for the legislature and asked them both, would you support, uh, would you not just support, would you introduce a uh, piece of legislation that would uh, uh, allow women in Wyoming the, the right to vote? And the, both of the candidates said yes. The Republican and the uh, Democrat uh, both said that they would. As it turns out, the uh, the Democrat uh, won election, Colonel uh, William Bright. And after he won election, um, Esther McQuig Morris went to Colonel Bright's wife and asked her to remind her uh, her husband and 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 uh, he introduced the uh, legislation uh somewhat surprisingly it passed the uh, state senate or the uh, territorial senate i should uh, say uh by a vote of 6 to 2 with one abstention and and then people sort of st- uh, took notice of this i mean this was th- this was a uh, something that, that that was not Really talked about at the time. I mean, women's suffrage. Women's suffrage was sort of a uh, uh, it was a, it was a laughing matter. So then the bill goes to the House, and it passes the House. <laughs> uh, Dean Brown says that uh, Cheyenne's two largest newspapers came out heartily in support of the bill, since in a drift in the winds of public opinion. So it uh, it 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 passes the House six to four with uh, one absent. Uh, and then it goes to the Republican governor, John Campbell, who signs it, December 10th, 1869. And as D. Brown writes, for the first time anywhere on earth, women had won the legal right to vote. Anywhere on earth. It happened in Wyoming territory. Why did it happen on the frontier? I've been wondering that a lot. What is it about the uh, because you know? Look, I mean, today you would have progressives say that uh, that progress would never come from such a backwards place, right? Like the Wild West. How, how on earth could women's suffrage have sprung from Wyoming? <laughs> And not the not the uh, the Wyoming of the Sundance Film Festival, mind you, but women's suffrage sprung from a mining camp of three thousand men who ended up electing a woman as justice of the peace. How could this be? And it's just a theory, mind you. But my theory is that on the frontier, in environments like that, what matters is competence. Right, and that's where r- real equality shines through. Uh, would you rather have working beside you in the mines, or uh, helping to build your city from a squalid, uh, you know, a, a row of shacks into something that people would actually want to uh, to call a home? Would you rather have somebody who looks like you? Um, or somebody who is competent. And time and time again, what we, what we see through history and what we see there in the uh, frontier environment, there's always room for the competent uh, to rise in that environment.
it is a uh, it is a very unstultifying environment. The frontier is where you find freedom. Uh, the frontier is is not where you find oppressive rules that say you can't do this and you can't do that. On the frontier is where you find those rugged individualists of every stripe. Uh, and in that environment, those Americans thrive. In that environment, those Americans help change the world. An interesting uh, historical side note, by the way, um, after women won the right to vote in Wyoming, two years later, the uh, the legislature came back and uh, tried to end the uh, the experiment in women's suffrage. Um, several legislators spoke out uh, in a great opposition to uh, to women's suffrage. All of them uh, Democrats. Um, C.K. Knuckles said in the uh, in, in his uh, floor speech, I think women were made, I don't know why I was doing Foghorn Leghorn, this is Wyoming, but I think women were made to obey, he said. They generally promised to obey at any rate, and I think you'd better abolish this female suffrage act or get up a new marriage ceremony to fit it. His uh, Democratic colleague W.R. Steele seconded the motion. And uh, this was apparently recorded in the uh, legislative history. Uh, women got so degraded, he said, as to go to the polls and vote and ask other women to go to the polls. This women's suffrage business, he said, will sap the foundations of society. Women can't engage in politics without losing her virtue. No woman ain't got no right to sit on a jury no how unless she's a man and every lawyer knows it. They watch the face of the judge too much when the lawyer's addressing them. I don't believe she's fit for it, no how. If those have it took from them now, at least can prevent any more of them from getting it, and thus save the unborn babe and the girl of 16. And the uh, Democrats who had uh, voted for women's suffrage two years earlier had uh, then voted to take it away. And the uh, the bill passed the uh, state Senate, passed the state House. It went to the Republican governor who had uh, signed women's suffrage uh, uh, into law two years earlier, and he vetoed the bill, uh, Governor John Campbell. There are uh, many, many interesting stories uh, like this. Uh, and and it, it, the, the book, The General Tamers, follows this sort of chronological history. Uh, and so you actually start earlier than the 1860s, back into the 1830s and 1840s, and some of the narratives that uh, D. Brown has found, uh, the diaries and the letters from these women who uh, made the crossing, you know, from uh, from from some places, New York, you know, from the East Coast all the way to uh, to Oregon or to California or uh, down into New Mexico. Stories of the uh, the Mormon migration, which I I had not even uh, heard about the handcart uh, uh, movement, where Mormon families who couldn't afford oxen to, uh, to or, or a wagon for that matter uh, had these handcarts that could carry about a hundred pounds of stuff, and and there were these it was a mass movement about ten thousand people migrating from the East Coast by by foot. Uh, pulling their hand carts behind them. Only about 8,000 of them made it uh, to their final destination. And again, these stories are told in just a very breezy, very interesting way. There's a lot of uh, just firsthand accounting. Uh, but uh, it, it, the, the story of the Wild West, again, the stories of the Wild West, 
uh, and of that uh, great migration of the American frontier. And those Americans who, who didn't just live there, but who thrived there, uh, are all over this uh, book, The Gentle Tamers by uh, D. Brown. So uh, not a new book, but uh, new to me. And, a, again, a fascinating read the, uh, in the limited amount of time that I had this week. All right, we're going to take a, a quick time out. When we come back, start to wrap things up here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Don't go away, though. We've got a lot more coming up right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. A single sheet of paper that both sides are willing to put their names to and say we have an agreement in principle on the overall issue. If you don't have that, no document, no agreement. And the White House fact sheet is a pathetic little band-aid. It's a SpongeBob band-aid that he's trying to put over a compound fracture. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Firearms and farms. It's 40 Acres and a Fool. I'm Cam Edwards. And uh, as we wrap up this week's edition, a, another reminder, the email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. 40acrefool at gmail.com. Instagram is at Cam Edwards. Twitter is at Cam Edwards. Facebook is Cam Edwards 2 a uh, I had an email from my friend Rob out in California who said, uh, didn't expect a 40-acre episode this week, but you and Ms. E came through. Amazing, says Rob. Well, you know, I I, I suppose there'll be a week where uh, we don't do this, but uh, I, I will say the, 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 the amount of prep time uh, for the 40-acre uh, podcast has decreased dramatically. The very first episode I was very, you know, consumed. What's this going to be? Uh, and I've sort of settled down. I think rather than uh, seeing this as, you know, a, a week of where I try to, you know, be as wise as I possibly can. What little nuggets of wisdom can I lay on you this week? This is my verbal letter out there uh, to my friends and to my family and to the folks who watch on uh, NRANews.com and they watch on Sportsman Channel and they listen on Sirius XM Patriot. This is my letter every week. Uh, to the folks who came up to me at the NRA annual meeting and said, I, you know, I love it when you talk about your pigs. I, oh, I love hearing about your farm. I love hearing about this stuff. And I'm glad because I like talking about it. <laughs> but my my job uh, on NRA News, Cam and Company, is to deliver the latest Second Amendment news and information each and every day. And there's a lot of it to cover. And as, as you know, as as – as much as you need that personality, as much as, you know, a, a good show, uh, isn't serious a hundred percent of the time, you know, you, you laugh a little bit, uh, you, uh, but, but you're also serious and you're covering serious issues. I want to make sure that that balance never strays too far towards the uh, flippant or the irreverent, uh, or the farmy for that matter on NRA News Cam and Company, because that's, n- that, that's when we lose sight of the core mission. The core mission every day is to deliver that news and information that you really don't get anywhere else. And by the way, we are uh, <clears throat> live at 2 p.m. Eastern at nranews.com. 
5 p.m. Eastern uh, on Sportsman Channel, midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific on Sirius XM Patriot. That's not live. That is a, a tape-delayed uh, rebroadcast of the live program. Available on demand on the NRA app, on iTunes, on iHeartRadio. I think, I think that's it. There might be some more ways for you to uh, get the show. You can subscribe to the RSS feed through uh, NRA News. There might be a few more ways to do, uh, to, to get the show, but uh, those are the, the big ways that, uh, that, that I'm aware of. And the great thing about having 40 Acres and a Fool now is that I've got that opportunity uh, to talk for as, you know, uh, once a week uh, for as long as I want about the bacon seeds, who, by the way, are doing very well. I suppose we should do a farm rundown, right? Talked a little bit about what's going on in the garden, but we should give you a, uh, a, a, a rundown of all of the uh, critters. As I mentioned, we're down to five baby goats. Two of them have found a, a new home, and it looks like um, looks like we have one more possibly available. It might be going to Frassy, so not sure. But uh, we're keeping one of the baby goats. Uh, all of the rest looks like haven't spoken for with the uh, with, with with one possible exception. Uh, bacon seeds are doing fantastic. They are uh, just eating up the uh, new pasture that we moved them into, and they they last uh, in this space for you know probably uh, a month, two months. Uh, now that there's a lot more green growing, they, it'll actually last longer because it's such a large space that they'll eat up a spot and then they'll move to another spot. And the other spot that they've uh, eaten up will actually start to uh, to sprout again. Where we had moved them from actually is already uh, turning back to green. And we actually need to go through that at some point with a, a rototiller so we can plant our pumpkins Um so the bacon seeds are doing great. The uh, the chickens, we have not had any more problems with coyotes as of late. I'm, I'm guessing now that uh, spring is here. It's not that the coyotes aren't around, although I, I'll be honest, I really haven't heard any uh, in a while, but they'll be back, I know. But there's just uh, there's a lot more options for dinner for the uh, coyotes now. So uh, we are still at five laying hens at the moment, uh, two roosters, and we have 13 pullets right now. Pullets are the uh, the younger chickens. They're not yet laying, uh, and we have them in various uh, stages here. So we've got a, a couple of pullets that are further along. They'll probably start laying here in uh, another month or so, and then the, the bulk of the pullets are still probably two to three months away, maybe two months away from, uh, from starting to lay their eggs. Uh, but everybody's good. And the, uh, the, the adult goats are great. Again, they're enjoying the, uh, the uh, green and much more to a nibble on. We're actually getting ready to move them uh, into a new pasture, uh, leave their winter quarters, and uh, we'll start to reclaim that pasture uh, area. Uh, it's, actually, it's not even really a pasture. It's more of a grove of trees, but we'll start to, uh, to reclaim that area and, uh, and move them into their new space. So we've got a busy weekend ahead of us. I know you do as well, and I'd love to hear all about it. Again, the email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. Now, Rob, by the way, says, I want to encourage you to finish your book. Oh, it's going to get finished, Rob. There's no other option. The, uh, the book is going to get finished, and I actually already uh, have plans for a second book, that uh, I'll, I'll tell you more about, but it's actually the, 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 once I finish this one, I'll tell you about the, uh, the plans for the second one. Um, but yes, the book is going to be finished. It is very important uh, to finish this book, and we've got a lot of other projects 
uh, coming up this year. You know, I, I turned I, I turned forty. I didn't make a big deal out of it, but I turned forty last August, and I decided that my uh, my my motto and my philosophy uh, for this year was going to be uh, forget it. I'm forty. Right. Uh, not really forget it, but like the CeeLo song got changed to forget you. Yeah. Uh, bleep it. I'm 40. I'm going to do what I, I'm going to do all of the things that I wanted to do. And it's not to necessarily cross off my bucket list is because why not? Because I'm a grown man. So I wanted to write a book. And so I'm writing a book. Uh, I was actually talking with a friend of mine about uh, maybe going into a recording studio and recording a song. Why? Not so I can try to become a uh, successful uh, rock star or a uh, country star, but because I want to, because it would be fun, and because I can. Uh, and so, Rob, that's 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 my year. That's my plan. Actually, not even beyond this year, but uh, but going forward, to do the things that uh, I want to do, to try to do the things that I want to do because I can, not because I want to uh, become a best-selling author, not because I want to try to set the world on fire, not because I want to. Uh, 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 you know, land a, uh, a primetime TV show, but because I want to experience these things. That's the only real reason why we should be doing the things that we do anyway, because we love them and we want to experience these things. So that's why I'm writing a book. That's why I'm uh, getting up early and staying up late and doing the job that I, I love to do and spending time with a family that I, I love to have and uh, trying to fit in, you know, a few minutes to uh, to read and try to get everything done, and knowing that, you know, every day I'm leaving something on my to do list that uh, I I didn't get done, but you know, every day, Rob, I I I I try, and I think I usually manage to hit the big stuff, and I think for most of us, that's probably what life is like, right? There's always something that gets left undone at the end of the day, but uh, if you're doing it right, you're hitting those high notes and. Uh, and again, you're doing the, at least at least something every day that's uh, just for you, and it's because you love it. All right, until we uh, meet again, which should be in about a week, be safe. Unless, I mean, here it'll be about a week, but hopefully we'll meet again every day on NRA News Cam and Company whenever that happens. Until then, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll talk to you soon here on 40 Acres and a Fool. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.